Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2010 at checkout. That's promo code BSN2018 to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwood. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by InWeGo, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver with promo code BSN50. Harrison Wind here, of course, alongside Christian Clark, Monday edition of the show. Here's what we got today. Wrap up this win over the Charlotte Hornets. Talk about Nicole Jokic's night, how Gary Harris and Paul Millsap look like they're pretty much back. Who's going to start at the three once those guys do return to the starting lineup, which Michael Malone made it sound like was going to happen in Houston here on Monday. So who continues to start between Wancho and Torrey Craig at small forward? And also look ahead to this Rockets matchup, who the Nuggets haven't beaten in their last eight tries. First, though, let's go back to this game Saturday against Charlotte. Personal note, big fan of the Saturday matinee games. It was a 3 o'clock start. I don't think the players really liked that much, but it was good for people working there. And it was a great crowd, lively crowd, a sellout crowd as well. Nicole Jokic turned in an absolute gem of a game. 16 of 29 from the field, 39 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals. Absolutely filled up the stat sheet in 34 minutes. What were your impressions of another huge night from Nikola Jokic? Loved the afternoon game, too. Was able to get out of there at 8 p.m. and still go do something uh, on Saturday night. It was great. Michael Bowen hated it. He said as much. Just kind of felt out of rhythm, him and his team. Honestly, I felt like this was just a B or B plus game from Nicole Jokic. And I know that kind of sounds crazy with the line that he put up, but I felt like, especially in the first half, he left some points on the table. Michael Malone agreed with that too. He said after the game that he thought Jokic could have gone for 50 had he been hitting in the first half like he was in the second half. I mean, it was, it was a great effort from him. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't the best Nicole Jokic we've seen, which is kind of crazy. I'd agree with you, especially in the first half. I didn't think he played that great. He missed a lot of easy shots. He was just 6-16 of 16 from the field over the first and second quarters. Missed a bunch of shots from two-point land. Some of the shots he missed, he's typically automatic on. 
and then comes back in the second half. 10 of 13. A cool 10 of 13. Missed three shots from the field in the second half. All three of those were three-pointers. So he was perfect on two-pointers in the second half. And, yeah, he just carried Denver. He absolutely worked over Bismack Biombo and Willie Ernan Gomez, whatever bigs the Hornets were looking to throw at him. They were really no match for Nicole Jokic. And I agree it was probably maybe a B-plus effort from me, just maybe A-minus, just with the second half he had in unbelievable third and fourth quarters. Per DPR, our in-house metric here at BSN Denver, the second best performance of the season from any Nuggets player, and Jokic owns the top two. Uh, his perfect triple-double earlier against Phoenix was still his best game of the year. This game came in at number two overall, registering the second highest individual DPR score of the season. Jokic goes three of nine from three, and he hasn't been shooting the ball great from three-point range this year. Do you like him still like looking to score from beyond the arc? I mean, he had nine three-point attempts in this game. That's one of his highest totals of the year. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got to keep shooting threes. I mean, what we saw last year, he was in the high 30s on a fairly high number of attempts. I mean, Jokic has the touch to, to be a, a good three-point shooter in this league for a long time, I think. he I don't think he shot it up to the level that he's capable at this year, and it opens up so much more for him, too, when, when he's hitting those threes. Um, you know, defense are going to play him a little bit tighter. It just means more room for everyone else. He's, he's definitely got to keep taking those threes. I do think there are instances in the past where Maybe shooting threes a little too often, but in general, I'm really supportive of it. I feel like there must have been something said from Michael Malone or some of the coaching staff to Jokic. I mean, against the Spurs, he goes one of four. Against the Suns, 0 of two from three. Against the Knicks, one of two. His last two games, he shoots eight threes against the Kings, makes three of them, shoots nine threes against Charlotte. I mean, has he been more aggressive in your opinion from beyond the arc or is it just kind of in the flow of the offense? Because looking back at this game and watching his shot attempts, a bunch of those were contested. Uh, He's taking a lot of contested threes right now. And I agree with you. I think it's a good thing. He should be shooting them. But earlier in the season, it seemed like he was passing up a lot of those looks. Yeah. I mean, I think he's got to keep taking them. And he was just aggressive you know, everywhere in this game. He took 29 shots. That's a huge number for Nikola Jokic. That's right. that's a number of field goal attempts you expect from, like, James Harden or something like that, not Nikola Jokic. I was with Michael Malone. I really like the fact that he shot that much. You know, I think we have seen progression with Jokic in that even if he misses a couple shots at the beginning of the game and doesn't feel like his best, he'll, he'll kind of continue to shoot through it. We, we saw that towards the end of last year. There were times earlier this season when he probably wasn't shooting enough. Everybody will point to that game against the Memphis Grizzlies where he only shot one time. Um, Jokic is shooting a lot more since that one field goal game in Memphis when Denver lost 89-87. He's averaging 10.2 shots per game up to that point. And the 22 games since, he's averaging 15.7 shots per game. So almost five more shots per game since that kind of debacle in Memphis. Yeah, he's been really aggressive. Throughout this run, it's been interesting. This run where Denver's been without three starters for most of it. And, you know, now they've had Paul Millsap and Gary Harris back for three and four games, and those guys are getting back to their old selves. But Jokic was carrying Denver throughout the first, you know, couple weeks of that stretch. 
it's re- really when he started making this MVP push, this all-star push and, and whatnot. Then Jamal Murray c- kind of carried Denver for a couple games, but this was a quick reminder of how lethal Jokic can be on the offensive. And he's got such a good feel to the game too. He was recognizing early probably that this wasn't going to be Jamal Murray's night. Murray goes just three of 13 was two of four from three, but only hit one two point field goal in this game. Uh, Wancho, his slide kind of continues here. He was 0-3. He did not score a single point in this game. You got the sense that Jokic kind of recognized early on, hey, maybe I'm going to have to do some heavy lifting here. Do you see that? Yeah, I, th- I think Jokic definitely has a sense of my team needs a little bit more from me on the offensive end in this certain game. We, we saw that from him in those five games Denver played without Millsap, uh, Gary, and Will Barton. Jokic, I mean, really just put the team on his back and carried them through that stretch. I also think uh, a part of this game that shouldn't go overlooked, Jokic grabbed eight offensive rebounds. Denver grabbed 17 as a team, but he was just an absolute monster inside. A lot of his offense just came that way, just cleaning up misses and and being a garbage man. Yeah, he was great on the glass. He's That's probably maybe his most underrated skill, rebounding, would you say? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, people... I don't know, maybe the average fan doesn't think of him as a great rebounder because he can't jump at all, but he is a great rebounder. He's not going to have those DeAndre Jordan rebounds where he jumps two feet above the rim, grabs ball in his right hand, and just smacks it with his left. You know, he's not going to have those dramatic athletic rebounds. Um, but yeah, eight offensive rebounds. He's incredible as a positional rebounder, can read the heck out of the ball coming off the rim, which is probably the most important skill in rebounding. And, and he's just then, got the best hands ever. Right. He's got the best hands, and he's really great at those rebounds where he can't out-jump the guy, so he'll tap it over the guy and then like pretty much tap it to himself on both the offensive and defensive glass. Yeah, I'm not sure that anybody tracks this, but I would love to see numbers on players who just come up with the ball in scrums. Because I feel like Jokic would be way up there. Like anytime there's a pack of three or four guys, it seems like Jokic mm-hmm. is coming up with the ball more often than not. Yeah, and he's not out jumping. He's just tipping it really to himself uh, in a lot of those situations. Yeah, so it was it was a big night for Jokic all around. Thirty four minutes, which is also interesting because something we talked about on the show last week, his minutes had been way up recently, and part of that has to do well. There's a lot of factors that go into it. Paul Millsap has been working his way back. The Nuggets have been ramping up his minutes. Jokic has had to take some of those. Mason Plumlee's been getting in foul trouble a lot, and he did again in this game, although it didn't really end up hurting Denver. And the other factor is Trey Lyles has been playing well, and his minutes have been dwindling here. So Jokic has really been picking up a lot of the slack, a lot of the minutes. I felt like he's looked pretty fatigued here uh, over this recent stretch. Played 37 minutes in that home game against the Spurs. 38 minutes uh, on a back-to-back the next night in Phoenix. Still managed to put together a 23-8-9 game against the Suns where he went 8-11 of from the field. But goes 34 minutes against the Knicks, 32 minutes against the Kings, and 34 minutes against the Hornets. I'm going to be curious to see if Michael Malone tries to get him playing around maybe 30, 31, 32 minutes at the most here over this next week or two stretch. Denver's entering a grueling stretch in their schedule when they play 
uh, what, like five and five games in seven days. I think yeah, it is. So, something like that. I'm going to be interested to see if he tries to lower Jokic's minutes a tad here, get Millsap up over 30, uh, try to get Plumley to stay out of foul trouble and just see if he can kind of conserve Jokic's energy because he's been stretched pretty thin. I feel like. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good point. I mean, Jokic was playing a lot of mon- minutes in the month of December, way up from where he was playing minutes wise in November. I mean, earlier this season, Michael Blone he didn't call Jokic out by name, but he said some of our starters aren't in very good condition. Right. I think it was safe to assume that one of the guys he was talking about was probably Nikola Jokic. Um, Jokic obviously has has performed great in a much more or just a much larger role, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Jokic isn't in like the greatest shape in the NBA. I don't think that's any secret. Yeah, and the fact that he still does what he does with the shape he's in is pretty unbelievable. I mean, what if he was like a physical freak? He'd be a top three player in the league. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've got him like third in my MVP vote right now. Like, there's there's not much more room he could go, but it's crazy that there is that. I mean, there is a little more to his ceiling. I'm not sure exactly what the post-game meal was for the players last night, but Jokic was absolutely chowing down on that plate at his locker after the game. Did you get a glimpse of that? I didn't see that. He was just absolutely chowing down. He was sitting in his chair right in front of his locker, had his two feet up on a chair at the neighboring locker. I think Mason Plumley's just going to town on, looked like some roast beef or something after the game. Just meal of champions. Hopefully the, the meals the Nuggets provide are pretty healthy. I mean, you'd think so, right? <laughs> yes, you would think so. I don't think they're getting served uh, the same food we are in the press lounge. Do you think the Nuggets have like a hard and fast rule, no soda inside Pepsi Center? <laughs> uh, well, there is soda inside Pepsi Center. I don't think it's in the Nuggets locker room. It's funny, though. There was that article from Baxter Holmes on ESPN about how the Portland Trailblazers just drink copious amounts of coffee pregame, which I think is is kind of weird, to be honest. The fact that the team is supporting their players just injecting their bodies with tons of caffeine, which I don't know how healthy that can be for you. But anyways, it's funny that they do that. I was in the Knicks locker room before the Nuggets and Knicks matchup last week. Enos Cantor prefers to drink Cherry Coke pregame, I can report. Wow. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, the, I can't think of very many things worse for you as an NBA player than just drinking soda. Well, he was drinking it, and the Knicks had one of their coaches or player development guys or maybe a trainer next to him. Ennis, there's 36 grams of sugar in every one of those cans. And Canner was just drinking it. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing? He needs to get... Do you think the Nuggets gave Jokic like the equivalent of a nicotine patch to help wean him oh off Coca-Cola? Oh, my God. Like, maybe it had, like, uh, fake sugar, like Splenda in there that it just, like, went into his bloodstream. Yeah. Get him, like, on a placebo effect type thing. Yeah. I mean, the Knicks need to get Canner on that program. It's ridiculous that, like, NBA players, you should not be drinking soda. Yeah. All right. Let's hit a break real quick. Got a lot more to get to from this game. I want to hit on Paul Millsap and Gary Harris's nights and also speculate a little who might remain in the starting lineup out of Torrey Craig and Wancho. It's going to be a tough decision for Mike Mullen. He's got a lot of tough decisions to make here when it comes to dolling out minutes and who he's going to play, who he's not going to play with everybody getting back to full health. And we'll also look ahead to this matchup Monday against the Rockets here. We'll be right back here on the BSN Nuggets podcast. 
This podcast is presented by InWeGo, the subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only 39 bucks per month with no additional cost or fees. You heard that right, as many events as you can fit into your schedule for only $39 per month. Brandon Spano's here and he's gonna tell us a little bit about it. Yeah guys, this year alone, I've been to Avalanche games, Nuggets games, Rockies games, Rapids games, Buffs games. I've been to concerts, uh, beer tastings, food festivals. I even went to a few comedy shows, so it's literally changed my life. (laughs) If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that InWeGo can get you in. And here's where it gets good. We've partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right, all the events you can handle for less than $20 for your first month. Try it and fall in love with it like we did here at BSN Denver. Go to inwego.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented by Inwego, of course. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here. Monday edition of the program. A big Western Conference showdown tonight in Houston against the Rockets. We'll look ahead to that game in a second, but a couple more things I want to hit on from this Hornets win. Uh, real quick, though, Denver moves to 26-11, 16-3 home. Here's a crazy stat from their most recent run here. Nuggets have won 16 out of 20 games. That's an incredible statistic that seems... Last year, that would have been inconceivable for this team to rattle off 16 out of 20, but uh, this Cinderella year continues. Is it fair to categorize it as that? And 16 out of 20 games without three starters for a significant portion of it. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, Michael Malone called it remarkable last week, or it might have been the week before, just looking back on this stretch and how his team has persevered. I'd have to agree. I, I remember saying if they could stay at 500... That would be a win. That'd be a huge win if they could maintain a 500 pace yeah. without three or five starters. Uh, they just go and rattle off 16 to 20. No yeah. biggie. I mean, they got like a, a decent little cushion at the top of the West now. It's pretty crazy. It's fun to see just like Denver is coming around that the Nuggets are mm-hmm. a really freaking good team. Uh, Saturday was the 13th sellout of the year. The Nuggets are 14th in attendance this year which is pretty significant when you consider they're 20th in 2017-18, and they were dead last in 2015-16 and 2016-17. So really in you know span of three years here, they've gone from dead last in attendance to middle of the pack. Nikola Jokic even kind of shouted the fans out. Uh, his quote from Saturday, when I first came here, we had a small amount of people who came. Now it's a full arena. That means we're doing something big for us, big for the city. That's kind of cool. I thought that was pretty cool that he went out of his way to ask Nuggets PR um, how many sellouts they had this year and that he's taken notice that the Nuggets are kind of becoming this must-see show in town. Yeah, there's been a lot of efforts internally within the Nuggets on the business side from sales to marketing to try to get more butts in the seats. And that's obviously working. But hey, it's tough to sell tickets if you don't put a winning product on the floor. And so, obviously, the big driving factor here is the number one team in the Western Conference and a team that is just so enjoyable to watch. That's another thing. Uh, This Nuggets team is incredibly enjoyable to watch live, for sure. A huge development, I thought, and this is what I wrote on after the game. It really overshadowed Jokic's season high 39, to be honest. But the fact that 
Gary Harris and Paul Millsap, first off, they played 26 and 27 minutes respectively uh, the other night against the Hornets. They looked really good, I thought, especially Gary Harris. Paul Millsap had a great game, too. I mean, 18 points, 7 to 14 from the field, 6 rebounds. He filled up the stat sheet, 3 assists, 4 steals. Gary, though, a plus 23 in 26 minutes. He chipped in 17 points as well. He was also like a plus 17 when this game was close in the fourth quarter. I believe when this margin maybe was four points or something in favor of Denver, Harris was still a plus 17. He was a game changer in this game. How do you think both those guys looked? I think this was Harris's third game back and Millsap's fourth game back. Yeah, I mean, they're fantastic. Gary, a couple athletic drives to the rim looked like the Gary Harris we know in terms of changing directions in terms of explosiveness he hit three threes in this game he had that one I believe is in the first quarter where he stole the ball just dribbled down the court and hit the three that was a pretty cool play it's great to have these guys back um, I mean Paul and Gary are, are so solid and they're kind of similar in some ways um, Michael Malone once called Gary Harris the Paul Millsap of shooting guards which I thought was hilarious and pretty accurate so I'm pumped to see them uh, back in the starting lineup yeah, the Nuggets have been slowly ramping up Millsap's minutes. It's been pretty evident what their strategy has been here. He played 14 in his first game back in Phoenix on the road. Remember, he said he wanted to come back on the road to not have to play in altitude his first game back. Plays 22 minutes against the Knicks. Again, plays 22 against the Kings. They ramped him up to 27 here against the Hornets. Both of us had thought going into this game, this might have been when both Paul and Gary would get back into the starting lineup. It seems like that's going to happen Monday, uh, but he looked more than fine in 27 minutes, the most he's played here. And then uh, Gary Harris logs 26. He logged 30 the game before, 30-plus. So I don't think minutes are really a thing he has to overcome or, or a minutes limit was in effect for him by any means. The fact that Gary was taking the ball to the hole was probably the telltale sign that he was back. Torrey Craig said after the game when I asked him how did he know Gary Harris was back, he said it was when he tried a dunk in the Kings game a couple nights back. Uh, that's when he knew Gary was back, and of course he had that poster dunk off uh, over Miles Bridges in this one. Um, so I think everybody pretty much knows that Gary's back. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're trying to dunk or successfully dunking in transition, that's a pretty good indicator that you have confidence in your body, right? He did come up a little gimpy one play. Uh, he he kind of went for a loose ball and wound up in the kind of camera area, I think, on, on the baseline or in the corner. Did come up a little gimpy, uh, but stayed in the game. It looked fine from there. And he, and he played in the fourth quarter too, uh, which was a good sign. Denver went back to him. Yeah. I, I'm about i uh, I'm hitting 170 this year in terms of predicting the Nuggets starting lineup, but I do feel confident that Gary and Paul will be back in there because Michael Malone said they will. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. We got the answer from him post game. It does seem like both those guys will be in the starting lineup against Houston, which is shaping up to be a big game here tonight. Who do you think starts? at the three next to those guys. Because now, when those two guys get back into the starting lineup, of course, Nuggets will have four of their regular five starters back. Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic. The three spot is still up for grabs, though. Will Barton, still not back yet. I believe the Nuggets are hoping to get him back soon here. I'm not sure of an exact date, but he won't play in Houston. I doubt he comes back on the second night of a back-to-back -back in Miami. 
Uh, so I w- would be surprised if he's playing this road trip. Who do you think gets the nod at the three? It's between Wancho or Torrey Craig, I would presume. I would expect Torrey Craig to be out there, especially against Houston. You can throw him on James Harden maybe to start the game or for at least for considerable stretches of it. Torrey's shooting the, the three ball a lot better lately. He shot 35.7% uh, from deep in the month of December. Hit two or four looks from three-point range against the Hornets. I mean, as long as Torrey's hitting threes at a respectable rate, then you're fine leaving him out there in the starting lineup, in my opinion. He's been really good on defense all year. Um, he's great at hitting the glass, one of the best rebounders at the small forward position, I think, in the NBA. So as long yeah. as he's just hitting those threes and being respectable and making the defense pay attention to him. Yeah, what's gotten into him as a three-point shooter? <laughs> It was the reason he got taken out of the starting lineup earlier this season. Denver just could not score uh, when they were initially without uh, a bunch of their starters here. When, initially, when Will Barton went down, they went to Torrey Craig. He could not hit from three, but uh, he's been a different player from beyond the arc. Goes two of four against the Hornets. Didn't hit anything against the Kings, but you know, was two of five. A couple games back against the Knicks, uh, he's been much more of a threat from three-point range. He's playing, taking pretty deep threes as well. So I would expect the Nuggets to stick with Torrey Craig. If it was me, I don't know, I'd think about starting Wancho there. I just would probably guarantee you to get off to a slightly better offensive start, I would think, which is probably going to be paramount against a team like the Rockets if Denver wants to win that game. But I would expect Torrey. Yeah, and you're probably not going to be able to stop James Harden anyway, right? Like, no right. matter who you throw on him. I mean, yeah. James Harden's in one of those runs right now where it's like 2006 Kobe Bryant. It's it's 40 or 45 points every single night. I don't know if there's anything the Nuggets can really do to slow him. Yeah, Harden has jumped to the front of this MVP race in a matter of two, three weeks here. It's been pretty unbelievable. Yeah, but that's probably the reason why I think the Nuggets will stick with Torrey Craig. We've seen this situation time and time again. We know the Nuggets and Michael Malone trust Torrey Craig. I think for good reason. He's had a good year, I believe, uh, on both ends of the floor. And he's been their go-to guy on opposing teams' top guards. He guarded Kemba Walker, limited him, I thought, pretty well. Only 20 points for Walker, 6-17 from the field. And based off of that performance and you know what he's done against a lot of top guards this year, from Damian Lillard to Kyle Lowry to... Russell Westbrook, all of whom he's defended really well. I would expect the Nuggets to stick him on James Harden, and I agree with you. <laughs> there's probably not a player on this roster. There's not a player in the league who can shut down James Harden. Um, but I guess Torrey can make it as difficult for him as anybody. Kemba Walker is a, a pretty good tune-up for James Harden in a lot of ways because Kemba's a guy who loves to take those threes off the dribble. That's a good point. We know those are James Harden's specialty. I tweeted this out before the game. Kemba Walker, prior to Saturday's game, was second in the NBA in pull-up threes with 79. James Harden in first with 151. James Harden, you know, the gap between one and two there, he, Harden's hit almost twice as many pull-up threes as Kemba Walker. Just no one else is even coming close to what Harden's doing, you know, shooting off the bounce right now. Yeah, Harden is, has hit more pull-up threes than every other team in the league. It's ridiculous. Pull-up three leaderboard is James Harden, followed by the 29 other teams in the league. He's hit more pull-up threes than every other team. Denver actually last on that list of teams and how many pull-up threes they've hit. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like what he's doing, you know, last couple of years and, and this year in general is going to kind of change the way people play basketball and just how many threes they launch off the dribble. Curry should be right up there with him. I guess, you know, Kevin Durant's in the picture and, and he kind of gunks up what they do and, and what makes Curry Curry. But, I mean, Curry should be right there with him, but I don't know. I'm, I'm so ready for Katie to be somewhere else. <laughs> you think if Kevin Durant leaves, we see Curry look like Harden this year? Uh, something close to that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you in the camp of the Nuggets should give Malik Beasley a look in the starting lineup? I've been hearing a lot of chirping from our friends in the media. Maybe Malik Beasley should be the guy Denver turns to at the three. What do you think of that proposition? Oof. I mean, Malik's done a lot to to deserve that role. Um, I, I probably like Wancho a little bit more. Um, I, I just think Wancho you know, what he does moving without the ball uh, just fits in seamlessly uh, alongside Nicole Jokic. But I mean, I don't, I certainly don't think that's crazy or anything like that to want Malik in there. Yeah. I, I'd stick with Torrey Craig or Wancho over Malik. In my opinion, with a guy like Malik, I think he's best when you don't give him too much too soon, I guess would be how I would put it. He's been really good in his role. He's been killing it coming off the bench. I wouldn't want to switch things up for him uh, for such a young guy at just 21 years old. I would want to keep it things as kind of even keel for him as possible. I don't want to put him in the starting lineup one game. You know, if he doesn't play well, yank him for Wancho the next game, bring him back to the bench or have him in the starting lineup for a couple games. And then when Will comes back, he's got to go back to the bench. We want to keep his role steady. I think that's important with him. Yeah. And Malik has been tremendous this year. I still do think there are times where he takes some iffy shots. And one thing you can say about Wancho and Torrey, they're never going to take like, eh, I don't know if he should have launched that three with 20 seconds mm-hmm. left on the shot clock. They're never going to do that. They're just going to exist within the flow of the offense. Yeah. Wancho, you're right. He will take shots within the flow of the offense. Unfortunately, his production has dropped off a tad here. Over the last couple months, I'd say you know, he was two of four from three against the Knicks, two of two from three against the Spurs, six of seven uh, in that other game against the Spurs, but just hasn't popped for me in the same way he had earlier this season. The main reason I can point to as to why he's not popping, I'd say he's played so many minutes this year already. He went from a guy who played 270 minutes in his second season He's already up near 1,000 this year. That's a huge increase, and you got to wonder if the fatigue's kind of getting to him here. Like, it might have been getting to Monte Morris a little, although he kind of snapped out of it with a pretty decent game against the Hornets. Monte maybe had his worst four games of the season over these last four games before this win over Charlotte. Maybe Wancho's experiencing a little bit of a dip in production because he's taking on such a big minutes load this year. Do you see anything in that? Yeah, I think there's something to that. I mean, Wancho was pretty much in street clothes the entire year last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I could definitely see the weight that he's been carrying him starting to affect him. Um, but I don't know. <sighs> Choosing between him and Craig is tough, man. Torres, Torres played really well lately. But I mean, Wancho is just so dangerous as an outside shooter. I mean, you you just have to stay glued to him if you're yep. a defender. Yeah, you do. And you got to think against this Rockets team who has 
taken on a life of their own here over the last month behind James Harden. They're going to need all the offense they can get. Denver will. And Wancho is a better offensive option. He's a better system guy on that end of the floor than Torrey Craig. So I think both of us think the Nuggets will stick with Torrey Craig. I might look to Wancho, though. I think you might look to Wancho if this was your call. But I would be pretty surprised if it wasn't Torrey, I'd say, in the lineup there. Before we move on, and I want to hit on this Rockets game here tonight before we end the show, got to tell you guys about one of our longtime sponsors here at BSN Denver, Strava Craft Coffee. They are a game-changing coffee. It's a CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews for Strava Craft are incredible. Make sure you check these guys out. Uh, Strava Craft Coffee, like I said, is an infused CBD coffee that's taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, it has also helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2010 at checkout and get it shipped straight to your door. So for your order of Strava Craft coffee infused with CBD, it's all natural, use promo code BSN2018 for that 20% off of your order. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Let's wrap up the show here. Let's touch on this Rockets game a little bit here tonight. And then we got one call from the Total Beverage Fan Hotline pertaining to Denver's bench and how we see the minutes shaking out there. We'll touch on that in a few seconds. But let's talk about the Rockets. This is a team that's been kryptonite for the Nuggets over the last... Three, four years, Denver's lost eight straight matchups to Houston. Their last win came in 2015, I believe. It's been a really tough matchup for Denver. Why is it so tough, do you think? Is it just the fact that they have James Harden? The fact that the Rockets have been a really solid team? Or or where do you see Houston's biggest advantage keeps coming up time and time again? Yeah, I mean, I think the Nuggets really struggle to defend the spread pick and roll and James Harden is among the best in the NBA operating out of the spread pick and roll, if not the best. You know, I'd probably put him up there with LeBron. Um, I don't know. That might be my list of the top two. I mean, he's just a ridiculous scorer. Uh, I think Hell is probably having to guard James Harden one-on-one in the game of make it, take it, Mm. because he would just (laughs) score on you over and over and over again um, and get to the free throw line like about 50 times in that one game. But... I mean, yeah, it, James Harden is just so tough for them. Clint Capella has had some really big games against the Nuggets. You yeah. know, it, it's just kind of pick your poison. Like, you can send a lot of help at Harden, but he's such a good passer that he'll find those three-point shooters or he'll find Capella kind of hanging on that dunker spot, or you can try to mostly defend him one-on-one, and, and he'll just cook you. Yeah, the Rockets just have a bunch of players that have killed Denver, mainly Harden and Clint Capella, who, like you said, has had some big games against Denver. And another thing the Nuggets couldn't do last year was defend the three-point line. They were the worst three-point defense in the league last year. They're one of the best this year, uh, but Houston reined it in from three whenever these two teams matched up. So Nuggets will have to limit the Rockets' threes. And it's funny, like Denver got off to that hot start. They got to 9-1, and one, then they lost four straight. And they lost to the Rockets, too. So it's like, even though Denver is having this unbelievable season, the Rockets are still kind of the Nuggets 
thorn in their side, I guess. Houston's up to fourth right now in offensive efficiency. Defensively, they haven't been great this year. 25th overall. I know they got Jeff Bizdelic back earlier this season, and I believe that's helped a little, but still hasn't really translated. Uh, they are better on defense as of late. 16th best in the league over their last 10 games, so a little bit of improvement there. Uh, but you get the feeling the Nuggets need to play an almost perfect game to beat the Rockets. When you're forecasting ahead to the playoffs, do you still view them as hands down the toughest matchup for Denver, really regardless of seeding? I think they're definitely the toughest. Um, Denver's lost seven in a row to them. I mean, I believe eight in a row, right? Eight? Okay. I, was, I think it was seven when I looked. I don't know. I'll have to double-check that. It, it's been a lot. I don't think they've won against them in since 2015-16 that season. But, um, yeah, probably them and and then the Warriors, even though the Nuggets have played the Warriors really well. I, I just think, you know, when the games mean a little bit more, the Warriors are going to be scary. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I would agree with you. I'd put the Rockets one, the Warriors two, maybe the Thunder three, although Denver seems like they'd match up pretty favorably with OKC in a series, and I've played them really tough here as of late. So we'll see if Denver can get it done. Nuggets are surprisingly only a one-point dog on the road in Houston Monday night. This would be the biggest one of the year, right? This one? Yeah. If Denver goes into Houston... Stops James Harden, who's looked like the best player in the league over the last couple weeks. If they're able to go into Houston and get this one against a red-hot Rockets team, too. You know, James Harden's been really good. The Rockets have been red-hot. Uh, obviously, they had that win over the Warriors the other night. W where would this win rank for you? Yeah, it, it, it'd probably be the best one. I mean, that, that one against the Warriors at home was a pretty good one. But the difficulty of going on the road against Harden when he's, he's playing as well as he ever has in his career um, would be really, really significant. Yeah, for me, this is hands down the biggest one of the year if Denver's able to get it. All right, moving on here. Last thing we want to do before we wrapped up, we got one question from the Total Beverage Fan Hotline I wanted to hit on about Denver's bench and how we could see that group changing here a bit once these guys get healthy. Let's go there right now. Steve from Boulder here. Another awesome win by our Denver Nuggets. And I'm um, wondering if you guys think that um, Milkap and Harris will be starting versus the Rockets. And um, but maybe most interestingly, or as interestingly, um, how do you feel that uh, what we've seen from the, the second unit um, while Milkap and um, Harris were out, and how do you feel uh, the performance of the second unit um, will affect now going forward? Um, what we'll see from them in terms of their minutes and how um, they're rotated in. So, uh, yeah, I'm just curious about what you think this next chapter is going to look for um, our team now that we're getting closer to full strength. Great show. Thank you. Thanks for the question, Steve. And again, if you guys got questions for the show, 1-800-BSN-8394 for the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. The biggest question about the bench, probably, and first off, I know it about the bench. It's been stellar all year. It's kind of tough to measure them, especially when Denver was without three or five starters. We didn't get like those stable minutes and consistent minutes every game 
the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, when it was mostly bench guys out there, because when you have so many starters out, you've got to mix and match. You don't have a true bench, uh, I guess. But it will be good to see that second unit of Jamal Murray, Malik Beasley, Monte Morris, maybe Trey Lyles and Mason Plumley get some run together because that group was so good at the beginning of the season. And looking back on that stretch, I mean, the bench kind of carried the starters for really the first chunk of the year. And then, uh, like I said, things kind of got mixed up here with all the injuries. How do you see this bench kind of adapting to a healthy roster, meaning the lineup I just rattled off featured Trey Lyles? Do you anticipate that he's going to be in this rotation uh, for much longer? I mean, I think if it comes down to, to Wancho and Trey Lyles for those backup power forward minutes, then Wancho's probably got to get the edge, right? I mean, he's clearly outplayed Trey Lyles this year. I think he's a much better fit for what the Nuggets try to do offensively. So I think Lyles like, is going to get in here and there. Yeah. Like, I don't think you're never going to see him. And, and other injuries could happen too. I mean, the Nuggets probably won't stay completely healthy for the rest of the year. So I don't think you're just going to see Trey Lyles glued to the bench from now until the end of season. But, yeah, I would I would expect Wancho to get most of those minutes at back at power forward. And hearing Michael Malone talk uh, last week or so, I think he's certainly excited to, to be at full strength again. But I think there's a part, two of him that, that's sort of dreading having to make these really difficult decisions. Right. He's had – I don't want to call it a luxury, but it's been, I think, cool for him and cool for the organization to see – Malik Beasley playing 25, 30 minutes a night. Wancho playing upwards of 30 minutes in some of these games over the last couple months without these starters. And now the tough decisions have to be made. We've seen Monte Morris's minutes drop significantly over these last couple games. And I know he hasn't been playing the best basketball of this season. But, I mean, 15 minutes for Monte Morris two, three weeks ago was an unthinkable number. He was playing in the high 20s, low 30s. He was on the court to close games here. And more often than not, without Gary Harris, that role has been Malik Beasley's. He's a guy who you're probably going to see his minutes drop into the low 20s, high teens when uh, a Will Barton gets back. I agree with you. I don't think we're not going to see Trey Lyles anymore, but the 14 or 15 minutes he's been playing is probably going to be towards the upper end of what we should expect from him once Denver gets back to full strength here. And it's not like Trey Lyles is playing so bad where he's actively hurting Denver, I don't think. This isn't an Emmanuel Moutier situation from last year when every time he was on the floor, Denver was just giving up baskets and baskets and really wasn't able to score on the offensive end. Denver is still scoring. They're still defending with Trey Lyles out there. He was a plus five here the other night. It's not like he's at the level where he's actively hurting Denver. At least I don't think so. Yeah, um, he hasn't been that bad. But, uh, man, I just wish he would make some threes. <laughs> right. He uh, was one of three the other night. You really get the sense that he's not going to be a under 30% three-point shooter for the whole year. But um, he needs a 9 of 11 night, like we saw from Jamal Murray, <laughs> to kind of kickstart that percentage to climb upwards a little. Yeah, Jamal Murray you know, got to the mid-30s three-point shooting percentage by the time you blinked, basically. All right, well, I think that's about all we got for today's show. Thanks for listening, guys. If you got a second, we love a five-star review over on iTunes. 
We certainly appreciate it. It helps us grow the show. Uh, helps us know that you guys at least like what we're putting out on a consistent basis Monday through Friday a little bit. Uh, that's all the time we got for today. We'll be back with another show later this week. Talk with you guys then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.